You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. Jose Abreu is headed to the Houston Astros on a three-year deal. It was inevitable. It was something we talked about on this show when the season ended. It wasn't that it was inevitable he was going to Houston, but it really didn't feel like he was coming back to the White Sox, a very good player for a good amount of years for this franchise, and uh, he was wasted. He was wasted by this team. He was wasted by this front office. And if you wanted to know what Jose Abreu thought about the White Sox in comparison to an organization that beat the White Sox in the postseason and outplayed and outclassed them over the last several years. He did the, if you can't beat him, join him, and now he's an Astro. And that speaks volumes about his mindset and what he watched over the last couple of years between his former organization, the White Sox, and his new organization, the Houston Astros. The White Sox made two acquisitions since we last spoke. Uh, The big one is the pitcher. We'll get into Mike Clevenger here in a moment, Ed, but... Uh, The one I want to talk about is Jeff Head. Uh, He was the senior director of sports performance, whatever the heck that means, with the Cincinnati Reds. He spent 12 seasons before that with the Giants organization, and the White Sox grabbed him up. He announced on his LinkedIn that he is now a member of the White Sox. And when I go through what he is, he's a guy who oversaw in the Reds front office Everything from uh, rehab, mental skills, nutrition, sports science, wellness for the major league team, wellness for the minor league team. He's basically the guy that is the answer to your guys are always hurt. They're never ready to play. And this is an issue. He's the answer. I don't know how quickly he can turn things around, but that's the organization's answer right there. His name is Jeff Head, and he spells Jeff much like the giraffe from Toys R Us with the G, which I always dug. Okay, well, hopefully uh, uh, he's much more than just a Toys R Us kid here. This is one of the things that that low-key I've hated about the White Sox the past couple of years. Their inability to keep guys on the field. I, you know, I, I, it occurred to me while I was watching the Bears game of all things, where they're talking about Justin Fields' availability and how, you know, how how can you have a guy that gets beat up constantly be the guy that leads you to a championship? Well, it's the same problem if you if you can't keep Michael Kopech on the field and on the mound. How is he supposed to get better as a pitcher or become that top end starter that you thought you were getting in the Chris Sale trade? If Aloy Jimenez is constantly on the shelf, how is he going to be the the leading hitter on this team the way they need him to be? If Luis Robert is constantly on the shelf, how is he supposed to break out and become a superstar? You can't do it if these guys get hurt, and they weren't getting hurt. The Sox haven't been getting hurt in in those like big catastrophic ways of uh, you know somebody gets hit on the hand and breaks a you know breaks a key bone in their wrist or something like that, or. You know, has it, I mean, Danny Mendick had the collision at least, but a lot of it just you know running down to first base and a, and a muscle gives. You know, I mean, think about Nick Madrigal's injury; he just destroyed his leg running. Yeah, which is kind of a key component of playing baseball. Yeah, is running right every time. Every time Luis Robert runs, you get you get nervous. I mean, there's all right. It, it has been a mess the last couple of years, 
So this is a good thing. I, I look through his resume on LinkedIn. I see his previous positions. At one point with the San Francisco Giants, he was listed as their major league sports scientist. Ah. I think anytime scientist is inside of the description of what you do, that, that may be a plus. I mean, he, he must know what he's doing or maybe because his position is not normal in baseball or at least wasn't when he was with the Giants for the first 12 years of his career. Maybe they just couldn't come up with a good enough title. If you're looking for a basement scientist, then you want to go and reach out to Family Waterproofing Solutions. They're going to keep water out of your basement, protect your foundation. They are available 24-7, and they give you money off if you mention socks in the basement. Give them a call, 708-330-4466. Your basement's best defense is at FamilyDry.com. All right, Mike Clevenger joins the Chicago White Sox, and the deal is reported for $12 million in one year, according to Jim Bowden. That is the the latest tweet that has details on the contract. I want to say that on Sunday, it was at least a year and more than 8 million. Now it seems to be just one guaranteed year at 12. I really, really hope there's an option year in there that has not been, been discussed because it's strange to me to take a budget that was declared by Rick Hahn and we've we've talked about it. It was, it was initially reported in The Athletic by James Fegan, who's been on this show many times, that the White Sox, after having a $196 million payroll on uh, last year, were looking for an opening day payroll around 180. They were sitting at $173 million. They non-tendered a few guys, including Adam Engel and Danny Mendick. They were expected to come in at around 171 after all the arbitration. And now they give $12 million to a pitcher for one year. That puts them over at 183. They could literally be done spending money. At this point in November, they could be done or Rick Hahn is playing possum. It, it, first, you got to decide what you believe there. And secondly, you have to ask your you, there's a lot to ask there. First of all, where does Clevenger slot? How good is he? I want to get into that. And then I also want to ask the question, why are you signing a one year deal with a pitcher when you know that Lucas Giolito is probably bouncing next year. He's either going to have another bad season, and then what do you need him for? Or he's going to have a good season, and he's going to enter free agency. And you also have the Lance Lynn $18 million option that pops up after this season as well, where you're going to have to make a decision on it. You could theoretically have two pitchers of the five that are currently listed as starters opening up 2024 for you after the 2023 season. So a one-year deal is the first thing that sticks out to me and makes me concerned. There's, there's two things about that. First is, you're right, it's a little bit weird when you're talking about sustained success, Rick, which, you know, that was his his mantra, was trying to build sustained success, and here we are going with a one-year deal that maxes out his, his apparent budget, right? So it, it's weird in that sense. Um, now, I, Jim Bowden, I'm not casting aspersions as you and I are sitting here. I don't have any other information. Maybe there is an option there, but Clevenger is also looking maybe at a prove it deal, right? He, he, this is his opportunity to show that he's back to being a, an elite pitcher or what, what he was, his reputation was with the, with the guardians, the Indians, Cleveland, uh, whatever you want to call them before he got traded to San Diego and got hurt. So he might only have a one-year deal in mind. Okay, and and just sitting there saying, I'm only going to sign a one year deal. He's not going to rule out staying here, but he isn't going to uh, lock himself down. And this might just be the guy that Rick Hahn really, really wants. 
and so he went on and got it. Now, I'm not saying that that makes it okay, but that may be part of the impetus for there being only one-year deals. Clevenger might have just said, this is all I'm willing to do. I just don't know that the White Sox are in a position to do that. Like you said, knowing that amongst the pitchers that you lose next year, Lucas Giolito comes off of his arbitration, so he's a free agent, and... Yeah, we kind of expect him to bounce. Uh, even Ronaldo Lopez goes away. So, you know, there's there's a guy that's been talked about in the starting rotation that goes away. And and it's, it is a little odd unless you think that, one, they are going to potentially spend more money next year because you do lose Yasmani Grandal's $18.25 million, which would be a lovely number to come off of there. Um and you have, you know, some other money freeing up here and there, potentially. Hey, Joe Kelly goes away because uh, it's a club option. You're not going to pick that up unless he's doing something good. Jake Diekman mercifully goes away. You know, so there's there's money that's coming off the books next year that you could use to, say, take Mike Clevenger and give him a raise if you want to keep him around or to use that money to go out and spread it around and say, okay, I'm going to rebuild on the fly. And Rick Hahn goes from the rebuilding, drafting, young youth movement GM to basically being Kenny Williams 2.0, which was draft him to use him more in trades and, and go out and get free agents and try and, and fantasy baseball at every season, which is we got used to in the Kenny era, right? And it worked once. It did work in 2005. That, that did come together nicely. Do you think that bringing in Mike Clevenger on a one-year deal, increases the chances that the team can now look to move Giolito and pick up something else, and in reality, Clevenger becomes the guy that's only on one year that you have to replace next year. And after you move a Giolito, you possibly pick up a pitcher that's under more control or at least replace enough things with your positional players in that trade, find pieces that you're looking for, so we replace his production in 23 with Clevenger and it gives us the flexibility to move him now. And that probably around $11 million in arbitration he's going to get to pick up pieces that we can't get otherwise in a trade where major league player, a pitcher in Giolito moves for other major league pieces that we need for this year. And then we're still in the market for one more pitcher. Do you think that that's possible? My knee jerk reaction to Clevenger being signed was is that here's the depth in the starting rotation, right? That allows you, if you're going to stick with this group to do a couple of things. One is put Davis Martin, for example, into the reserve, that sixth starter mode where we know he's going to have to make like 10 to 15 starts anyway, because these guys can't stay on the field. The other aspect of it was, okay, this does free up Giolito for a trade. When I'm looking at Rick Hahn making trades, I am not looking at Rick Hahn picking up highly touted guys. I'm not looking at game-changing guys. I think Rick Hahn, if he's going to make a trade of a Lucas Giolito, is going to look for, for example, you know, a, a zero-to-one war major league outfielder, a guy that could be either the fourth outfielder or maybe a platoon partner for Gavin Sheets or something along those lines. He's going to look for, if he picks up a starting pitcher in a trade, he's not going to get an ace pitcher. He's not looking to add a guy that's going to be this top-of-the-rotation guy that, that Giolito potentially was. That's why Clevenger is here. He's looking for a guy that's going to now fight with Davis Martin for that fifth starter spot and a guy that's going to potentially be there to compete this year in 23 and then going on in the future in 24. They might believe in Martin a little bit here too to that degree and sit there and say, okay, we, we really do consider him to be a, a viable starting candidate. 
So if we trade Giolito away, we still have five guys that we believe in, but we're going to want to pick up somebody else. And that's where sometimes that minor league contract stuff comes into play too, like with Johnny Cueto. That, I think, is part of what Clevenger does for Rick is that he does create flexibility to do that. He still has value, and he is a guy that if you know for a fact you're going to lose him, jettison him for whatever you can get for him, ideally to fix some holes for you. Socks in the Basement listeners switch to a new age of life with Hyatt Home Medical Equipment. Let's say it's you, uh, maybe your parents, maybe it's your grandparents, somebody who may need assisted living, somebody who may need some help around the home. Whatever it is, there's no reason to leave the home. Stay independent and in the home with aids that are placed around the home to reduce fall risk. They can retrofit the bathtub. Uh, they can turn the home into a smart home. Doors that open and close with the touch of a button. Lifts that bring you from one floor to another. Plus, they have the latest in CPAP technology and diabetes control. Check out all they have to offer at hhme.com. They're going to work with your insurance. And if you mention Socks in the Basement, you get additional money off. Stop it and also see their incredible showroom and get answers with a real-life person face-to-face. See all that they can do. Visit them today in Evergreen Park at 3518 West 95th Street. Before I get to the Socks nerd, Dave Marin, with some tidbits about Clevenger, I want to circle back to what you just were talking about and the idea that Rick Hahn could have made this move as a precursor to moving Lucas Giolito. First off, I want to reiterate, Lucas Giolito has a very good chance of being a very good pitcher in 2023. Oh, absolutely. And, and, absolutely. Right. And Lucas Giolito is probably at the lowest trade value that he's ever been at because of his 2022 well, season. Well, maybe not that 2018. Year. You're right. You're right. <laughs> that was pretty I, low. Nobody would have taken it back then. Okay. But he, he's not, a, he's not at a very good trade value, but I also understand that he may be gone after this year. And if Rick Hahn is being forward thinking, this could be the time to move on from him and what his expected price tag is going to be in arbitration and pick up pieces as you described. When I look at his trade value, just a quick glance at the trade simulator website, we put uh, that link up at SocksInTheBasement.com. Remember when we talked about Liam Hendricks and the possibility, I want to say about a week or so ago, of moving him to a team like Seattle. We did like kind of an exercise in trading him, maybe getting bad money off the books and what you could get back for him. And we put together a couple of pretty good packages that made an awful lot of sense. Lucas Giolito, slightly more valuable than Liam Hendricks. So if you've been listening to Socks in the Basement, or remember it's on demand, anywhere podcasts can be found and always at SocksInTheBasement.com. So you can go back and listen to us talk trade there and kind of go through what you could get for a guy like Hendricks. You can apply the same thing, probably not the same team, because they have plenty of starting pitching with Seattle, but there may be another team out there that's looking for pitching, doesn't care that they may not be able to retain him after this year, and has pieces that Han wants, and you might also be able to ditch a crappy contract in there as well. That was one of the scenarios that we talked about in moving Lucas Giolito out of town. That's why it would make sense. Because I know a lot of people get very angry when you bring up the idea of moving on from a Lucas Giolito. It's not for a lack of belief in his talent or his ability to be good this year. It's more because we're looking at this trade trying to figure out what are they doing? $12 million for one year. Knowing that Giolito's only got one year left doesn't look like there's a lot of forward thinking when it comes to your rotation. And that's the only reason why we ask the question, is this step one of multiple steps that also include moving 
a pitcher that's going to likely be gone because he didn't sign an extension, had a bad year. If he has another bad year, you're probably not bringing him back anyway. And if he has a good year, we know he's going into the open market. Anyway, let's get into your guest for today. Brought to you by the Village of Lamont. Want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventures? Visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, and explore, and learn about everything going on in Lamont, including their hometown holiday celebration this Saturday, December 3rd, starting at 3 p.m. until 7.30 when the Village lights up. Learn all about it at LamontDowntown.com. On the phone line with me right now, we have Dave Marin. He is known as the Sox Nerd on uh, on Twitter, at Sox Nerd. You can check him out. He puts out all kinds of really cool stats. Dave enjoys doing it, but it's also kind of his profession because he sits up there on the scoreboard and uh, he puts that out during uh, ball games at Guaranteed Rate Field. How are you, Dave? Fantastic, Chris. How are you? Good. You must get excited when you see a new player because you know that you have to come up with an entire plethora of tidbits and stats and things to throw up there. And so you must be kind of pumped to see a Mike Clevenger show up. You must know a lot about him as well already because he was pitching in the AL Central for the majority of his career so far. Uh, what did you think about the move? Well, good. I mean, he's uh, accomplished. He's got a lot of, and you're exactly right. I was working on a uh, a blog, which usually parlays itself to information that winds up on the scoreboard on Clevenger. So, uh, yes, I do have a lot of information on him. I think it's great. I mean, you know, he's a, he's stable, he's accomplished, uh, and, you know, he brings a lot of good uh, numbers uh, with him, especially against the American League Central. And uh, that's one thing that really struck me uh, when I was doing some uh, a deep dive on him is he's very good in the division. He's deaf on the Kansas City Royals, which I thought was kind of funny. I'm wondering if the new manager was like, hey <laughs> – I'm sick of facing this guy. Let's get him. Uh, Griffal, who was, you know, with Kansas City for all those years. He's 9-0 and against Kansas City, which is the most wins with no losses ever against the Royals. And his ERA is 1.98 against the Royals. Overall against the Central, he is 26-10 uh, and 10 with a 2.63 ERA. And factoring in the White Sox, that number is 21-8 and 8 with a 2.71 ERA. So he's very, very good against the central. And I'm sure that's probably part of the reason why um, the White Sox signed him because they saw him all those years with Cleveland. And I also, I also believe that whether or not you, you care about how he left Cleveland, just the fact that it was messy. Yeah. You have to imagine there'll be a chip on his shoulder, right or wrong in his mind when he faces his former team because of how everything ended with his former team. Is there anything that stands out, interesting little tidbits, uh, uh, stuff you could share that would ease the mind of a fan that says, okay, this guy coming off of surgery didn't have his greatest year last year, although he did still keep people off base pretty well last year. Uh, what, what, do, what do you say about Mike Clevenger right now that might ease the mind of somebody who, who's nervous about him joining the staff? He's a winner. I mean, he's never had a losing season. One thing that I did find interesting about him was that, and maybe this won't ease uh, people's minds, but um, he's really good the first time through the order. The second time through the order, okay. And then the third time through the order, it's, it's probably time to get him out. So. That makes a lot of sense. When I looked at his 2022 stats, I think he only pitched six innings twice in the last two yeah. months of the season. 
And he had a little run there in July where he seemed like he was on fire for about three, four starts. And I didn't know whether or not to chalk that up to first year back after Tommy John. For the first time through the order in 2022, the slash line was 178, 249, 339. The second time through, it was 246, 304, 389. And the third time through, it was 306, 407, 625. So... I'm sure a lot of that has to do with stamina, and I'm sure that there's going to be, um, you know, coming off the surgery and things like that, the, the, the Sox are banking on the fact that he's going to get stronger. So um, I found that really interesting. And and then another thing I found interesting, too, was, was that uh, there are some players on the White Sox who are probably really happy to see him here uh, because he was, uh, and we were briefly talking about Abreu before, but um Moncada was one for 15 against him. Tim Anderson is three for 16 against him. And Eloy is two for 12 against him. So those guys are probably really happy that he's on their side. And when we were talking about Abreu, Abreu was hitting only 222 against Clevenger. And he struck out 10 times against him. And the only guy who struck out, active player who struck out more is uh, Miguel Sano of Minnesota or formerly of Minnesota. So... He's had his way against the White Sox. You mentioned Jose Abreu. The news also coming out that he has moved on off to the Astros. If you can't beat him, join him. Uh, How do you feel today after seeing a guy who was a staple on the White Sox leave? Well, as we discussed, you know, you know, we weren't, this isn't surprising. And yeah, I'll miss him because he was very good for stats. And, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that was, had such a great track record with the team that it was always easy to put something up about him. So from that, that standpoint, I'll miss him. And uh, I think, you know, most Sox fans will too. Is there any stat, any tidbit, anything that you liked putting up uh, repeatedly about him? Do you, do you have that with players? The thing that I liked about him, you know, he was linked with so many people in White Sox history. So no, no matter what stat you put up about him, he was linked to someone, whether it was, you know, uh, Frank Thomas or Paul Canerco or, you know, shoeless Joe Jackson. But the one that I really liked to put up was, the, was listing the players that who had also won the, the Sox players who had also won the MVP award. So, you know, maybe not once a game, but you know, every, every other game, I would just put up, you know, joins Nellie Fox, Dick Allen, and Frank Thomas as White Sox players to win the MVP award. And I think that, you know, that really showed his true value to the franchise. And you're right. I do repeat a lot of stats and someday that'll be a great show about some of my favorites, but um, uh, yes, the audience does change every game, which is really beneficial to me because, you know, I'm coming up with different stuff, but yes, there are stats that I really do like to repeat. And then when the game's a blowout, sometimes I get a little, wacky and I'll put up some stats that are a little bit even off the wall for my standards. But uh, yeah, I will miss Jose and, and, and his body of work. So on Twitter, you're at Sox nerd. It's very easy to find you. Is that the best place for people to find the blog? Cause I'm sure not only uh, would they like to read more about Mike Clevenger and what you've uncovered so far, but I'm sure that you'll be putting something out on Jose Abreu. I can't imagine that you won't be. Yes, I actually I had already put up. I'm doing a player by player alphabetical review of every uh, 22 uh, member of the 22 White Sox. So I'd done him already. I reposted that. I will be posting a blog on my WordPress blog 
about Mike Clevenger, that should be up when this drops. Uh, so I'm just on WordPress, uh, SoxNerd on WordPress. And then you can also just access my blog via Twitter at SoxNerd. So, yeah, that's where it all is. Dave Marin's the Sox nerd. And when you're sitting in a ball game and you see something interesting up on the scoreboard, he most likely put it up there for you and he's nice enough to jump on Sox in the basement from time to time uh, make sure you check out his blog follow him on Twitter at Sox Nerd and Dave uh, we'll see what happens next man I, I think it's still going to be interesting going forward here Mike Clevenger joins us and uh, Jose Abreu officially leaving the White Sox thanks so much my friend thank you sir nice chatting with you marked on my list of things to do this week getting over to Hailstorm Brewing in Tinley and drinking stouts. Through the entirety of the winter, it's stout season for me. This year's version of Vlad vs. Zombie vs. Shark. That's one of their big boys. 18% barrel aged for 20 months. That's on my list. The Vlad Chocolate and Vanilla Blend. 12.1% that's on my list. The Pencil Thin Mustache, an Imperial Milk Stout with strawberry, coconut, and vanilla flavor. 13%er. That's on tap. There's even more. I just don't know if I can pull off a fourth one. Try the Stouts and all the other offerings at 8060 186th Street, right off of 80th Avenue. Hailstorm Brewing Company is the official brewery of Socks in the Basement. Hailstormbrewing.com. Let's talk about Mike Clevenger real quick, okay? This is why I like him as a pitcher. Forget the thing where we're talking about how long he's been signed for. Let's talk about what he gives you in 2023 here for a moment. Right. Yeah, because there's a lot there. There's a lot to like. Oh, there's tons to like. Here's the thing. I liked Clevenger more than I liked Cueto last offseason. Oh, uh, yeah. And I liked Cueto before the Sox signed him. Here's a guy who was an ace, essentially, in 2018. And then in 2019, with the with the Cleveland Guardians, used to be the Indians, he was also at a very, very high level. And then the 2020 season comes. He gets four starts with his team, pisses everybody off by going out with uh, Zach Plezak to a club in Chicago right. and breaking his COVID restrictions. And some of his teammates are very angry with him because Carlos Carrasco, recovering from cancer, considered to be a high-risk teammate, and Clevy's out partying, right? And then he and then he got on the plane. After Plezak was caught, he was like, well, they haven't caught me yet. I'm getting on the plane. I'm not driving. And then he got caught, right? So, I mean, he, then they benched him, remember? And then they traded him. And then he goes to San Diego, and he pitches in four games in the shortened season, and he's lights out, just incredible. And then he needs Tommy John surgery. And then he's out for right. all of 2021. So in 2022, coming off of Tommy John surgery, I normally see when I look at pitcher stats that there is, they're not all the way back, right? But one thing I don't normally see, and have fun with it today, go look up players that have had Tommy John. You don't normally see a pitcher in his first season back after Tommy John, especially in his 30s, because that was his year 31 season in 2022. Bring out a walks and hits per innings pitched of 1.198. That is still high-end starter stuff. His ERA was up. His FIP was near a 5. That's what indicates that he wasn't all the way back yet. But he was still keeping guys off base overall. You're going to see him, in my opinion, go back much closer to what he was in 18 and 19. I think 180 innings pitched. He's going to take the ball every five days. He's going to continue to keep guys off base. 
He probably even lowers his whip to like 1.15 or 1.10. Gets even more effective. And I watch his ERA and his FIP drop to something very reasonable. Low threes is what I would expect from him. That's what I believe looking at his stat line and knowing that last year was his first time back after Tommy John surgery. I mean, he's a guy that as I'm scouting pitchers for our fantasy baseball league that are floating out there in our dynasty league, I already had him circled, Ed. And I'm sure you did too, because he's a guy oh, yeah. who's a, oh, yeah. I mean, he's a bounce back right there. I mean, he might as well have a big neon sign that says, I'm coming back and I'm coming back big. That's why he only signed a one-year deal as well, because he knows there's more money after he shows everybody he's back in 2023. So I think he's a third starter. I've seen people try to list this this rotation, right? Most people go like Cease, and then they and then after that, they go Lynn, except if you really love Lucas Giolito, you're trying to force him in there as the number two starter, which he's not, okay? But most people are going Cease, Lynn, and then after that, you see this hodgepodge of how people rate their three, four, five. I have him as the three. I really think that's what he is. And so for 2023, he's a great move. Oh, yeah. Well, you're talking about, like, where you would slot him. Here's some the similarity scores on baseball reference. Take of it what you will, because there's obviously some some down numbers as a result of this year's Tommy John recovery. But they similar they're, they're similar pitchers to him. Luis Severino, Lance McCullers Jr., Chris Bassett, um, Mark Pryor, Brandon Woodruff, Shane Bieber. So you know you're looking at that, and Severino is mid rotation. McCullers has been mid rotation. Bassett was an ace on an A staff that. Eh. Um, Mark Pryor was once upon a time an ace that fell on hard times. Brandon Woodruff is ace level, but has never been the top guy in in Milwaukee. Bieber is kind of the top guy in Cleveland, but hey, eh, you know he's not necessarily been like a you know a, a dominant force. And overall, through age 31, guys like James Paxton and Chris Young and Garrett Richards, who all had kind of third, you know, starter vibes to them, are all on there. Kenta Maeda is there, you know, another guy that's that's going to eventually bounce back from TJ. You've got guys like that that you're comparing him to, and that is what this team kind of needed. If you weren't going to go out and break the bank for – top-level talent for, for the superstars that are out there? I think I'm convinced at this point that even though we had said I'd like to see him pick up two pitchers, right? Like I said, I wanted a third starter. I, I want to say on our last episode, I wanted a guy that would slot in around three. That's what Clevenger is. And then I wanted a guy that you could sign that would be like a floater, like a Vince Velasquez uh, guy, right? Like somebody you could put in the bullpen but then could also start. One of those guys I think you could still do. Okay, because just having Davis Martin and saying, okay, that's our backup plan, I think I think that's a mistake. And I don't think Jimmy Lambert and and Garrett Crochet or any of these other names that you hear about, well, they could do both. I don't think those guys are in the cards for what their plan is. So I think there's still one more, but the priority now clearly flips over to position players. And again, if they have maxed out what they're spending, a trade is coming. I believe the White Sox, if they're going to make a trade, Make a trade in the next two weeks. You have to get something. Okay, before Christmas, I'll say. I'll even give them a bigger window. I think think they get something done at the winter meetings if they're getting something done. You have to get it done now because after the trade is done, you may have money that frees up and you may have to go and replace something that you traded away. And you've got somebody earmarked or a couple of guys earmarked that you would bring in to kind of fill things out after the trade is made. 
I would imagine Rick Hahn's got a couple of ideas and a couple of people he needs to go see now at the meetings, and then he's going to try to get the trades done. If nothing comes out in the next couple of weeks, then I would start wondering whether or not anything's going to happen. If you're going to make a trade, you want to strike quick here now before free agents start coming off the board in case after your trade is made, you have more flexibility and there's somebody that you want to target afterwards. It's going to be really interesting over the next couple of weeks to see what this team does. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Socks in the basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on SocksInTheBasement.com.